1: Unfortunately, there are billions of animals who are not, and yes, I said who, who are not happy, joyous, and free. And really, this is the leading cause of virtually all the problems that humans face. Um, What we do to animals and agriculture, and this incredible guest, Mark DeVries, will explain a lot more in a moment, is destroying our planet, It's creating climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, um, human world hunger, because it's the most inefficient food source. Animals eat 40 times what they produce as food. And um, human disease, 14 out of the 15 leading killers uh, can be reversed or prevented by switching away from animal agriculture foods. Uh, I mean, it's just not to mention the moral bankruptcy, uh, for example, of leaving three and a half million Uh, so-called farm animals, chickens and pigs, to drown in warehouses in North Carolina. Mark DeVries, if you could tell us what you have done in terms of documenting what happened in North Carolina. You are a documentarian, and attorney. You work with Mercy for Animals. You also put out the incredible movie Speciesism, the movie. Tell us what you did with drones in North Carolina after Hurricane Florence. So I've
2: been using drones for
1: years now
2: to film factory farms. And the reason drones are so important is that people have no idea what the scale of factory farming is. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are not small farms with um, a a little red barn and a few animals. These are millions of animals, thousands per barn uh, in conditions so intensive that, um, for example, the environmental impacts are absolutely devastating. And most people don't think of local environmental impacts of pollution, of farms being a serious issue. People think about coal, power plants, and so forth. But in fact, in North Carolina, which I filmed with a drone initially back in 2014, there are thousands of pigs in each shed and their waste falls through slats in the concrete floors resulting um, and then it's, it's uh, flushed into these giant open pits. Literally cesspools with millions of gallons of untreated animal waste from these pigs. Can you imagine uh, human waste? Millions of gallons dumped into open pits the size of a football field, sometimes several football fields. So this waste is a serious pollutant. It can get into the water and contaminate people's drinking water. People in these areas, these rural areas, commonly use wells for their water. They rely on wells. And there are big cesspools of untreated animal waste right near their homes that can spill into the water or drain into the water. And and then air pollution is quite serious. There are people suffering from asthma symptoms. People have spikes in their blood pressure when the wind is blowing from these giant open cesspools to their homes. But this is the worst part of all. After Hurricane Florence in North Carolina, at least 30 of these giant open pits of untreated animal waste have overflowed And this untreated sewage has flowed into the floodwaters that that have surrounded people's homes. And so people are suffering from the consequences of contaminated floodwaters coming right up to their homes, sometimes in their homes. I spoke with a neighbor of a pig farm named Elsie Herring, and this woman actually... Um, has lived in her home for decades. Her family has had the home since, I believe, the 1800s. And in the 80s, a pig farm moved in next door. And she, uh, in prior interviews, described the spraying of their manure from this giant open pit right near her home in order to lower the level of manure in this cesspool, they actually spray it into the air where it turns into a mist and it carries sometimes to her home. Uh, and this happens to many people. But now on top of all of that, with Hurricane Florence, there is a giant um, flood of water that has come all the way up to her home that when I visited recently, and spoke with her and interviewed her for a recent video. She described smelling horrible and being um, of a, a brown color and, as she described, I think, a, um, an overwhelming odor. And I had seen this already in, um, in, as a result of spray fields near the farms. So really, what we're dealing with is a serious type of pollution that is very little known to most people. People think of power plants. People think of garbage dumps, things like that. They don't think of farms, but these aren't farms. They're factories. They're factories with living beings inside of these places, living beings who are kept in crates for sometimes months at a time. If you can imagine an animal as intelligent as a, a dog, many people listening to this probably have dogs or cats at home. Pigs are at least as intelligent and social and emotionally complex as dogs. And yet they're kept in cages so small that sometimes They go literally crazy. They bang their heads against the size of the cages or chew on the bars in front of them constantly. This is really a factory of living beings. And then on top of that terrible abuse and suffering, the environmental consequences are not only disastrous, but remarkably well hidden. And we see that when people are shocked to learn that when the floodwaters came through North Carolina, giant open pits of waste were overflowing and finding their way to people's homes.
1: Well, Mark, you have done such courageous, incredible work. Mark DeVries is an attorney. And the reason I bring little Rico up is that you had mentioned if you did this to dogs, you'd be charged with animal cruelty. And they're doing it to millions and millions and millions of animals, they left three and a half million so-called farm animals to drown in warehouses in North Carolina. And they have, we have reduced as a culture, as Gary Urofsky said, animals to such nothingness that they can't even be considered victims. They are described as live inventory. And I called out the news media, including Rachel Maddow, who I otherwise, you know, watch, but across the board. Nobody, they talked about the manure lagoons, but they never talked about the animals. It's almost like it's verboten, it's forbidden to discuss the plight of animals, like, oh, we are so amazing as human beings, we can't even discuss the plight of these animals.
2: That's a very good point. Animals are not taken seriously, and that's Mm -hmm. why I did the documentary, my first documentary, Speciesism, the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Many... Philosophers and scholars are arguing that our assumption that there's this vast ethical distinction between humans and non-human animals, where humans matter in a serious way, and non-human animals only matter if we happen to care about them, if we just happen to feel compassion for them. Mm -hmm. But it's argued that the most basic principles that we hold among humans, that causing harm, causing suffering and agony is a bad thing, those extend to non-human animals because they're capable of suffering as intensely as we are.
1: And there's such a schizophrenia because more and more people in America are saying, "Well, I'm an animal lover because I have a dog or a cat at home." Meanwhile, they are participating in the worst brutality to animals that has ever existed in the history of humankind. I think there's some statistic like we call we kill more animals in one day than ever existed human beings in the whole world. I mean, it's the, the level of killing is so mind-boggling that you can't even Put your mind around it. That's why I bring one little animal, Rico, here. He's my little rescue from Puerto Rico. And um, I try to say, well, of course, it's easy to love little Rico right here. But pigs who have a higher IQ than little Rico, that shouldn't matter. We shouldn't just decide whether or not to torture a being uh, depending on their IQ. But they do happen to have a higher IQ. They have the IQ of toddler children. They are being tortured systematically in industrialized farming by the billion.
2: And every single one of them has the capacity to suffer that Rico. Of uh, course. I mean, they literally suffered just as much as Rico would if Rico were kept in a tiny cage for months on end. Every single one of these is an individual just like the dogs and cats, you know. And once that clicks, it's, it's astonishing to think of the extent and seriousness of the tragedy that's taking place so
1: vanessa marceau says that is incredible to use drones to reveal the horrors of animal agriculture i hope that drones will accomplish what glass walls would do if people could see what's going on they wouldn't continue this appalling behavior that's right it's like
2: it's like going over the walls instead of making the walls glass you literally fly over them and look down and it it's really good to see how big of an impact it has had. And it gives me great reason for optimism that when people learn about this and when people really realize what's happening, they do care. And so the more drone investigations, for example, the ones that I do with Mercy for Animals and other aerial photography out there um, that gets out on social media, on Facebook and so on, Uh, the more people are continuing to learn about what's going on. People are are waking up.
1: Yeah, people are waking up. And, you know, one of the reasons I started Jane Unchained, having been in the media for four decades, is that you're not seeing any of this in the media. They had to cover the manure lagoons because they were threatening people on such a scale in North Carolina that it was a story. It, It was a story of pollution that couldn't be ignored. But you will not hear anything about animal agriculture on mainstream television. They don't talk about it. They, they are beating their chest now over climate change because it's pretty obvious what's going on. Um, it, it's hard to ignore the fact that these are not just natural occurrences, that they're uh, super-sized storms that are occurring with greater frequency. And so they're talking about climate change finally. That's good. But they're not talking about the leading cause, which is animal agriculture, far beyond all transportation combined. And, and, you know, the reason is if you look at the TV commercials in between the news segments, what do you see? You see fast food commercials and you see commercials for pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, it's its a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry between animal agriculture, fast food, big food and big pharma. You have the most lobbyists in uh, the nation's capital. Most
2: people don't realize how many pharmaceuticals are used for being given to animals on factory farms for, for various reasons such as uh, to increase their growth even. Yeah. Uh, but in addition to that, they, th- people think of, people think of this as almost something that you can't even question. The use of animals for food mm-hmm. is something that people just take for granted mm-hmm. as the way things are. As I've heard people say, I think it is normal, natural, and necessary. And, of course, none of that is is true. There's no necessity for animal agriculture. There's no necessity for individuals to eat animals. In fact, it's harmful to the individual eating them as well, as is now well known. But the more we um, become aware of factory farming, the more people are realizing that, yes, we should look at this as something that we can change, just like other things we're trying to change in order to reduce climate change, for example. That yes, eating less meat and animal products, cutting out meat and animal products is something that makes a real difference because of the extent of the greenhouse gas emissions from factory farms. So I think there really is reason to think that people are waking up to this, even though for so long, it has been thought of as just the way things are and not even something that we can question.
1: It's almost like you cannot question it at all. If you question it, you are breaking some kind of invisible rule that causes people to look askance because they are conditioned, they're brainwashed. And, um, you know, I think Dr. Selesh Rao, who is one of the developers of the internet, who's a genius said, you know, realize Jane, they're farming humans too. They're not just farming the animals. Yeah, they're being killed, but humans are being killed more slowly. Pharmaceutical industry can't make a penny uh, without feeding uh, all the antibiotics to animals. Uh, The vast majority of antibiotics that are produced are fed to farm animals. It makes them grow faster, and also they're kept in such horrible conditions. They would die. They would all die if they weren't fed all these antibiotics. And also, um, they can't sell drugs to people who aren't sick. So you got to eat the bad food to get sick. Then they can sell you the cholesterol-lowering drugs. There's only cholesterol in in meat. There's no, in dairy, there's no cholesterol in plants. Plants don't produce cholesterol. So, um, whether it's high cholesterol, heart disease, diabetes, you know, all the ales that we have as a society, health wise, they're brought on by this diet. And so, when you try to wake people up to that, they feel like, whoa, hold on now. You're telling me you're trying to take something away from me. Who are you? You, what? But the truth is that. Um, they are being hit with thousands of images every day, literally that equates subliminally eating animals and animal byproducts with social upward mobility, family values, sex appeal. Uh, for men, it's meat is masculinity. For women it's uh, dairy is femininity. Um, that's why it's easier for men to give up dairy and it's easier for women to give up meat. But this is all conditioning it's conditioning. We have to get people to think for themselves. Um, that's, that's the key. And uh, th- that's why we're doing all this. What it's, we're doing is trying to wake people up. It's tough to break out of the cycle, but a lot of people
2: do it little by little. And before they know it, they're vegan. I mean, they start eating vegan one day a week, for example, and then two days a week. And before they know it, they don't even miss what they were eating every day. It's becoming easier and easier to change your diet as more people are waking up, and that makes a big difference.
1: All right. I think we are going to be taking a short break on Voice America Radio, but we are going to stay live on Facebook. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for sharing on Facebook. We already have 182 shares, so we hope it keeps going because every person who shares shares can hit somebody who, who doesn't have this information. Our world is literally on the brink of collapse. And you probably think, well, if, if this were really true, I'd be hearing it on all these big networks. Why am I not hearing it? it? You gotta follow the money. This, So many people are making so much money off of this system that if they pull out that central thing, eating animals, a lot of it's gonna collapse or have to change radically. Have to change radically, um, but it's going to happen. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, there was Woolworths and there was Horn and Hardarts. They don't exist anymore. Now I went to a Woolworths in North Carolina. It's like some kind of museum. Now you're seeing the next phase with the Sears declaring bankruptcy. Eventually, these fast food companies are going to have to change, or they're going to go bankrupt, um, or we're going to, or we're all going to die. <laughs> Basically.
2: All right, go ahead. Well, every every single one of us who is going out there to educate people and who is sharing things on social media, using the internet, that is a big part of what's waking people up. So we're at a real precipice where Mm -hmm. things are in a very dangerous state for the environment. And yet there's also a new tool that we can use in just the past decade all of the social media and other um internet resources that are making it possible to share this information at lightning speed and wake people up so it's an emergency but it's also something where we really can make a difference
1: so share this video and i'm very delighted to have mark devries on you know his videos get millions of views like sometimes 20 million views for one video so it's very, it's very um, exciting for me to have Mark DeVries here to talk about this in person. Uh, it's a real treat, and uh, please share this video with people uh, because undoubtedly you will hit somebody who is not aware of this information, and it's absolutely crucial. Okay, let's take a quick break on Voice America Radio. We're going to stay live on Facebook, and we'll be back in a couple of seconds.
3: Devon will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the
1: show. All right. We are here with Mark DeVries, who is, um, you know, extraordinary man. He's an attorney, not just an attorney. That would be enough, right? You got to go to law school. But he's a documentary film producer and director. He made Speciesism, the movie. And he's also a drone expert who works with Mercy for Animals and took his drone over North Carolina in the wake of Hurricane Florence to show people the realities, right? Well, the, uh, the drone footage I, I did in my
2: first drone filming pre the hurricane. Oh, okay. Um, it was a while back. But I went back to North Carolina on the ground. Uh, and spoke with people who were directly affected by the flooding from these factory farms. So I spoke with, for example, someone I knew, uh, Elsie Herring, who lives in North Carolina right near one of these pig farms. And the area all around her home and the farm got completely flooded. And the, the floodwaters she described as... Smelling absolutely atrocious and being this dark brown color. And when I went down there just a few days after the hurricane blew through, uh, the ground was still wet, uh, just a few feet from her home. And this is flood water where over 30 of these giant open cesspools of manure, untreated animal waste. Have overflowed and gone into the floodwaters, and what's strange is how surprisingly little media attention that aspect is getting. Yeah. These farms are located in a flood zone, and these are farms with open pits of waste. What if that was human waste, and these were human, uh, larger cities nearby? I think people would, people would be. Well, I think it would more well I mean known. it would be
1: it would be a, a, a catastrophe look I had a flood here um, about it was more than 120 days ago because I looked up how long does it take for 120 days for for bacteria and such to just dis, to, to disintegrate it was 120 days but it was basically a pipe burst there was some sewage raw sewage that went into our garage. It was like literally a three-minute incident, and I had to throw out so much stuff that was contaminated. And it smelled, I had to bring somebody in. It was it was a nightmare. Three minutes. Now multiply that on by
2: millions of gallons. Millions, millions of gallons of waste.
1: Millions of gallons of waste. And where is it going? It's not happening in Beverly Hills. It's not happening in Park Avenue. Those are the people who are getting rich off of this system. You know, Dr. Silesh Rao explained to me that. You know, whether it's big pharma or big food or the military industrial complex, basically there are just a handful of companies that have the voting shares and controlling interest in all of this. So the point one percent who have never the point 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 one percent who have never stepped foot in a farm in their lives, who don't get their shoes dirty, are basically getting super rich off of this, even richer than they already are. Well, it's very poor people who live near these factory farms that are getting inundated with feces. Right, these
2: are poor areas where people don't have uh, political power, Uh, people are not listening to them, they they don't have a voice uh, nearly enough in the media and so on, and they're literally being inundated with toxic waste. Uh, Thankfully, people are waking up as a result of individuals on social media talking about this and people, individuals going down and documenting it. Not just me, but but many others are documenting factory farming, documenting what happens to the animals and documenting um, what happens to the people who live nearby. And yes.
1: Well, one of the things that happened in the wake of Hurricane Florence Uh, because three and a half million farm animals were left to die, people in that community were absolutely animal lovers. While there were individual rescues of dogs and cats going on, the vast majority of animals were dying in warehouses. So a group got together, held a news conference, and there was about six, seven groups. And it was farmed, animals saved. Um, I helped organize it. The media showed up in Wilmington, North Carolina. They rolled videotape, never aired it. Because what were the people calling for? They were calling for an end to CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding organizations, those very warehouses saying they should not be restocked with fresh supply of animals, which by the way, it's the USDA insurance we're all taxpayers are paying
2: for all this. And what's bizarre is being against factory farming is viewed and described as radical. But what's really radical in a bad way is keeping thousands and thousands of animals in individual buildings. That is something that it's hard even to imagine the scale. There are thousands of animals in these buildings. There are millions of gallons of waste. And there are thousands of these farms, which each have thousands of animals in them, spread throughout North Carolina. And then, of course, even more all across the country. This is... A, a devastating situation and it's something that it's um, something that if the pollution were being uh, created by industries that everyone has learned to agree is bad like you know coal-fired power plants it would it would makes it would make sense and and be reported widely and, but because it's the factory farming industry, there's something about it, like we've discussed, where it's, mm-hmm. it's just sort of hushed.
1: Yes. And so Gay Boreas says, exactly. A small group of billionaire bigots in those industries that have bought Washington, the mainstream media, and everything else. Yeah, pretty much. That, that sums it up. Uh, Karen Lynn says it's a cover-up. Um, Sarah Siegel says farmed animals should not be considered inventory, but that's really sad. That they're, they're not even considered victims. You can't even talk about them in terms of being victims of the flood. They're considered inventory. When these
2: uh, people from these companies were interviewed about the flood, they were talking about, oh, we're losing X amount of live inventory, even using the word live inventory, instead of thousands, millions of animals who are drowning in floodwaters.
1: Yeah, and by the way, Sarah Siegel says you can go to factory com, and you can also go to speciesismthemovie.com. And isn't it on Netflix? It's on Amazon and oh, various wonderful.
2: other various other. On Amazon, products. okay. Yeah.
1: If you've got Amazon, Streaming you can, Amazon, you can Amazon stream Amazon. and you can watch speciesism the movie. Because honestly, we could describe this forever, but one shot, it, it it's a punch to the stomach. I've I've never if you told me that human beings would create uh, warehouses where animals like Rico were kept in crates the size of their bodies, never able to turn around, by the hundreds of thousands, warehouse after warehouse, I'd say, well, people can't be that cruel. They can't be that. They can't be that heartless.
2: And people also are rarely taught about how intelligent and how emotional these animals are. It's not like animals raised for food are different somehow from the cats and dogs people have at home. Cows, pigs, and chickens are emotional animals. They have individual animals who they're friends with. They, they can feel sad. They can feel scared. They can feel joy. They play with their friends. And when so they,
1: went in the nature they play. In, That's right. At a sanctuary, but right. they can't play with any friends. That's right. When they're there's, on these
2: factory farms. I mean,
1: it's 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 there's there's just honestly, there are just a few things that really make me wonder about, you know, humanity and and what is wrong with humanity. And this is one of the things that makes me wonder. And yet, when you tell individual people, right. because this isn't entirely a consumer issue, this would stop tomorrow if people stop buying it. And when you go up to people who have their dogs, love their dogs, and you say, look, I plead with you, like, open your heart, open your mind to this. Um, a lot of people are just very shut down because they don't want to change their behavior. And because they've been told that those animals don't count. Those animals right. don't count. And yet they do count and there is a price to pay. And the price we're paying is Mother Nature's coming back with these storms because it's a full cycle. Animal agriculture creates the climate change. Uh, Climate change is causing the storms. Storms are really badly affecting um, people now, even in the United States. It's already been happening for a long time in third world countries Uh, with extreme temperatures, extreme heat, extreme floods, tsunamis. It's starting to happen here in the United States. It's going to get worse.
2: The number of these large Atlantic hurricanes and the severity of them is really starting to get people paying more attention and thinking more. It's interesting, though, a lot of people are surprised to learn that animals raised for food, animals like cows, pigs, and chickens have emotions. People think that somehow they're different from animals whom we know have emotions, like dogs and cats. And I think, though, as more people, even though there's sometimes people are so overwhelmed by the information when they find out about factory Mm -hmm. farming, when those of us who care about this issue and who've changed our diets already, when we lead by example... And, you know, eat uh, healthy vegan food and show that it's delicious and show that we're happy. That allows people to see, oh, wow, this is something I could do. It's not so bad. And when they ask questions, um, politely answering them and talking about your own experience, it really makes a difference. And that's why things are starting to spread person to person, despite it not being in the mainstream media. Uh,
1: We have a caller, Tracy from San Diego. Your question or thought, Tracy? Hi Tracy. Uh, Hi. This, <laughs> this is
4: Tracy. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi Tracy. Hi. So, Mark, I've been a fan for a long time. Um when I first saw your movie when it first came out, you came here to San Diego with it for the screening and um you know, I was really impressed with uh especially the the footage from the from the drones and oh, actually I think in that movie you went up on the plane in the plane. Mm-hmm. Um and it was amazing. So, uh, for years, I've wanted to share this with my community as a screening. Um, I have an organization here at Plantiego. I'm um, wondering about how to arrange that. And who do I contact? Yeah, anyone H- who's in any contact movie. about having a public screening of your movie.
2: Sure, yeah. People, people host public screenings of my movie uh, around the country and around the world. By the way, thank you very much for your compliments on my work. I, I really appreciate it. I'm always glad to hear that the movie has influenced people and that that people find it valuable. Um, You can go to the film's website, speciesismthemovie.com, and click host a screening, or you could just click contact, and uh, we will get the message. And it's possible since I'm based in L.A. uh, that I'll even be able to uh, stop by and uh, speak at the screening and uh, answer questions, because I sometimes do that when it's in the uh, Southern California area.
4: So yeah, anyone who oh, would like to, wow. hold the
1: screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. well I'll, I'll. I didn't I'll know say,
4: you're in LA. That's well, wonderful, you,
1: Tracy. I'll set you guys up after our live video. But anybody, this thank you. And Tracy Charles, by the way, is one of our really great contributors. She's a oh. San Diego contributor for Jane Unchained, and she does amazing work. Thank you for all you do, Tracy. <laughs>
4: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, all both of you and for all you do. This is amazing. And, um, oh, that's wonderful, Mark. Um, we'll just set it for the new year then and, uh, get you down here. That would be awesome.
2: And that goes for anyone else who's interested in hosting a screening of speciesism. Um, you could just go to the website, speciesism, the but yeah, these, this movie, the drone footage undercover investigations by many different organizations are really influencing people person by person. But that doesn't mean that it's things are going to change overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for all of us who care about this to not get burnt out, mm. to be optimistic, realize that things are changing, that people have good in them. And when they learn about this, they do care, even if they don't immediately change. And we are seeing in... A very short time, if you look at the span of the history of animal agriculture, a very short time, major changes. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic.
1: Well, that's excellent. I like to hear that because you're not uh, a person who's just sort of pie in the sky optimistic. You're, again, an attorney, um, a documentary filmmaker, and you feel things are changing.
2: Yeah, the evidence indicates that they are. People care more and know more about factory farming and People are discussing policies. People are discussing and changing their own dietary habits and so on. Um, Things are, there's a real groundswell of change. And I I do think that social media um, seems to be a major impact, Um, again, because it's it's not something Mm -hmm. commonly covered by the mainstream.
1: Well, you know, we do um, a Monday uh, at a restaurant, a vegan restaurant, or a non-vegan restaurant that has vegan options. And now we've been going to Del Taco has um, the Beyond Meat Burger, Fat Burger has... I believe. Well, it's one of the vegan burgers. I think it may be the uh, Impossible Burger. It is. It is. Yeah, the Impossible Burger. The counter has the Impossible Burger. Um, so uh, TGIF Fridays has one of these vegan burgers.
2: This is something that ten years ago people would never have believed mm-hmm. was possible. Yeah. I mean, this is. We're living at a time for the increase in plant-based foods that people literally just less than a decade ago would not have believed if someone suggested it was going to be like this.
1: And again, the media is really a laggard. Um, the, when Costco added two vegan options and took out the Polish sausage, uh, and I went to Costco with a friend, we went live, we showed the delicious. There's They added an acai bowl um, that was very low in calories and really delicious, and they added an alpha store salad. Please go and buy those, and and, and it's
2: it's a good salad, it tastes good. Even IKEA has vegan food, and it doesn't even make sense that IKEA has food in the first place.
1: Yeah, exactly, why does IKEA have food? But they have a new, um, I think it's a hot dog, right? It's a vegan hot dog. I believe so. Yeah, and we're going to have to taste test that too. I've actually never been to an IKEA, but um, I'll have to go. But but here's the thing, Uh, we should add where to watch the video one more time before we get to the very end, we we're, we're re- Are we reaching the end or this is a break? But anyway, tell us again. We've got to repeat it over well, and over again. the
2: main documentary, Speciesism the Movie, is at speciesismthemovie.com. That's the word species and then the letters ISMthemovie.com. That's where you can find links to stream the video on Amazon. That's how you can find out about hosting a screening and so on. And then we also, um, you can watch the drone videos at factoryfarmdrones.com.
1: Yeah, and you know, apparently IKEA has vegan soft serve ice cream too. That's Another amazing. reason to go there. That's from Chris,
2: and they might also have furniture.
1: Uh, yeah, they might also have some furniture. But
2: most importantly, vegan soft serve ice cream.
1: Yeah, um, Sarah Siegel is uh, putting up species in the movie Link. So yeah, check it out. You know, don't take our word for this. Mark has collected the evidence, and it's right there online. Um, we're going to take a very quick break and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about what it means, speciesism. What does that mean? We don't follow, we lead.
0: Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
3: Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: you are listening to jane unchained to reach the show today call in to 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email in to janeunchainednews at gmail.com now back to the show
1: Okay, welcome back. We're here with little Rico, who's our mascot. He's the calmest of my three rescue dogs. And Mark DeVries, who's an amazing documentary filmmaker uh, who did Speciesism, the movie, also an attorney, also uh, the man who works with Mercy for Animals to show the drone footage of what's happening above these factory farms. Because, you know, they're trying to pass ag laws to criminalize going in Anytime somebody is trying to pass laws and doing whatever they can to prevent you from seeing what's behind that closed door, you know that something gnarly is going on. And it's not gnarly. It's cruel. It's horrific. It's mind-bogglingly. Um, I have to use the word evil. It's, it's an evil system. And there have been evil systems in the past that we've seen um, in the history of humankind. And what happens when you normalize evil, you normalize violence, is that ultimately the entire society pays uh, I, I had mentioned that I was just in Berlin and boy everywhere you turn there are historical reminders of um, what how bad things are when you normalize evil and you normalize violence and you normalize cruelty and you normalize morally reprehensible behavior and uh, it was it, just seeing it firsthand is is just so powerful and overwhelming so but in all those
2: situations there are heroic people who mm-hmm. stand up and and speak out and I'm talking about, everyone, every one of you, uh, who cares and works on an individual level, uh, to influence your friends, your family, your colleagues, influence people on social media, uh, when you speak about this and when you share information about it, that is what, despite the social pressure to keep quiet about it, that is what is waking society up.
1: Yeah. And you know, when society does wake up, it often wakes up with a bang. You know, uh, I I do feel, I believe in the law of unintended consequences. I believe that the media is going to have to start addressing animal agriculture's role in climate change. Um, There have been some breakthroughs. The Guardian, which has always been very, very um, pro-animal issues and much more open for whatever reason, I don't know, but I love The Guardian. And also Huffington Post has started talking about animal agriculture, meat eating, and the connection to climate change. We need the big four. You know who I'm talking about, the networks, the big networks, the big cable channels to start talking about this. And it's going to be really hard because, again, look at the TV commercials. You know, when I sit down to watch uh, the news uh, to find out what happened with whatever, the Russia investigation, the the, the assassination of this uh, Washington Post reporter who was in Turkey, Um I look, I'm stunned that all the commercials are about pharmaceuticals asking you to go to your doctor and say, hey, um, give me this pill, give me that pill. First of all, that's not the way it's supposed to work. The doctor's supposed to look at you and say, hey, here's what I would suggest, not, you know, that's more like a drug pusher. Yeah, direct-to-consumer advertising <laughs> of pharmaceuticals is, very, is odd. Yeah, sometimes. it's very odd. And when you think about it, that's what that's what you do. Uh, when you go to a drug pusher, you go, "Hey, do you got any? You got any uh, pink pills? Do you got any blue pills?" Well, that's exactly what's happening now with these pharmaceuticals. Um, it's a crazy system. The idea that people go to their doctor and say, "Give me, ask me, ask about that that X Y Z pill,"
2: but and there's never going to be an advertisement saying, "Here's how you can lower your cholesterol by changing your diet." That
1: that doesn't that doesn't sell. It doesn't sell because you know you can't. As somebody said, you can't take credit for a disease that nobody ever got, right? Um, Doctors can't uh, go and perform uh, a stent operation or a heart bypass uh, operation, which is very lucrative, on somebody who never got that disease in the first place. In fact, another great film, What the Health, documents that. Kip Anderson's film uh, where actually he's going to try to talk to uh, some doctors at a hospital about um, di- why, they, why they don't switch people out of this diet that causes heart disease. And the publicist comes out and says, we can't talk to you because this is our business. This is, this is how we make money. So it was really, he even said afterwards, I was shocked that she just admitted it. Well, yeah, if, if you don't get sick, they can't. they cannot. Imagine if we all started eating healthy plant-based fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains, and the leading killer heart disease collapsed. It went away. And, and uh, cancer rates dropped because we know processed meat is officially cancer-causing. That means every time you go to a place and you get a, a, a nugget or a, 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 a bacon or a hot dog, that's all cancer-causing. It's officially cancer-causing.
2: And imagine if we also stopped turning a blind eye to the animals who are just as sentient as Rico here on factory farms. They are there by the thousands, by the millions, and per year by the billions with a B, a billion, a thousand million. Um, Every single one of them an individual um, just like RICO. And the environmental consequences that we also turn a blind eye to. We just look away and we say, I don't want to know, and it's not reported in part because it's just happening all the time.
1: So Shirley Wolf says, I tried to talk to a friend about, about veganism and he told me he didn't want to know about it because if he knew about it, he'd have to do something about it. Yeah, my friends are exactly the same way. I think it's important to let people into your thought process. That's that's a good point, um, Shirley,
2: that you know, when people ask, why are you vegan, for example, or say things like that, uh, if you say, instead of sort of... Um, I used to tell people why, and I used to tell people what the problems were with animal agriculture and so on, and now I sort of let them into my thought process as it's it's sort of a, a softer way of discussing it. I say, oh, well, you know, I learned about this thing called factory farming, and I found out that animals were treated in these ways, and the more I thought about it, the more it seemed like um, I shouldn't support this, I shouldn't pay someone else to treat animals these ways. And then I, I would say, well, what do you think? And then we would talk about it. And by letting people into my thought process, it allowed people to think for themselves and not feel judged or sort of mm. accused in some way. I found that that makes a big difference. And, and the documentary, Speciesism, the movie, takes that tactic as well in following my story. And I, I've tried to do that. Uh, continually with my work and recommend that people do that as individuals, speaking with friends and family. It really does make a big difference.
1: So as we uh, get toward the end of this broadcast, tell us, how did you come up with the term speciesism? Who invented it? Did you invent it or where did it come from and what does it mean? Speciesism
2: was coined by a psychologist in Britain named Richard Ryder, and then it was popularized by the current professor of bioethics at Princeton, Peter Singer. And the idea is that the basic ethical principles that we hold among humans, that causing harm, causing suffering and agony, all things being equal, is a bad thing, that that extends to non-human animals, members of other species, all of the other species with whom we share this planet, precisely because they are capable of suffering, capable of experiencing harm, of agony. And so our assumption that their interests matter less than ours, these Um, individuals like uh, Richard Ryder and Peter Singer and now many other scholars talking about this have termed speciesism, a prejudice, similar to prejudices against groups of humans like racism and sexism. And once we recognize that as a prejudice, it can change how we think about animals and therefore about ourselves and the world.
1: And it really is, in in my view, the basis for whether we're going to evolve as a species to a higher plane because uh, somebody famous said, you know, the root of all sorrow and evil is that we consider some beings to count less than others. In other words, we've done this to people, certain people based on the color of their skin, their religion, their ethnicity, their gender, their sexual orientation, um, count less than other humans and we saw where all of that has led us as a, a species and a society over time and we've eliminated at least theoretically hypothetically we've we've diagnosed those uh, ills and we've tried to cope with them as a society however fitfully but now this is the ultimate test because these are the most helpless the most powerless and they cannot speak our language they do speak as anybody who has a dog or cat knows, but they can't speak our language, so they're really voiceless. That's why we do these videos for the voiceless, because uh, when we get to the point where we we do not feel as a society it's okay to kill animals for food or for leather or for... You know, we just banned fur in Los Angeles, so that was incredible. Or, or testing uh, uh, of them in laboratories, which is such fake science. We will shed a lot of other problems like war and violent crime, because the whole basis of it is this primitive mindset that we have to kill to survive. For me to live, you have to die. Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to suffer. And that's really a false concept. It's a very primitive concept. And once we evolve past that um, and stop killing animals on a daily basis and justifying it as, well, you know, life's a zero-sum game. They're going to have to go for me to survive, which is so false— um, then we can evolve as a species and don't worry, there still will be tr- plenty of tragedy and sorrow because people will die and we will have suffering. mean my, my mother lived to almost 100. she died. I, I still suffer every day, but um, you don't have to worry. There will be plenty of sadness and tragedy. but left we can over.
2: make we can make the suffering in the world a lot less. And we can do that at an individual level. Every one of us has the power with our own choices and with how we educate others to be part of reducing suffering in the world. And we should feel very happy and very optimistic and proud to be part of that change. But this is the biggest test of humankind probably ever. And it's a pivotal time in the history of our species and in the history of the world. We are exploiting non-human animals by the billions and we're ravaging our environment. And before we get to a point of no return, we as a species are going to have to wake up, but we're doing so. It's happening. We see it happening. We see the groundswell, and we see that all of us can be part of that change.
1: Uh, Mark DeVries, you give me hope. Uh, I was also at an event for PETA yesterday, and I'm also a huge you know, fan of Mercy for Animals you work with. I mean, Mercy for Animals does incredible undercover investigations. PETA does amazing work, and they have, they were documenting, um, you know, some of the progress that they have made in eliminating animal testing and changing the attitudes at the National Institutes of Health. And so, you know, I get these bursts of hope. And when I see the work you do, the work Mercy for Animals does, the work PETA does, Uh, the work that many, many other organizations. The night before that, I was at the Stray Cat Alliance, and they were talking about all the cats that they saved. And, you know, the day before that, it was another group. There are so many wonderful people that are working so hard. And all we need is for people to open their hearts and their minds. You know, I say don't even open your mind because your mind is one of the things about brainwashing. You don't know when you're brainwashed. You know, I've been brainwashed. I'm 23 years sober. I didn't think I could go a day without drinking. And guess what? I changed. I had a a shift in my brain and I haven't had a drink in 23 years. So it can happen. But I'd say also open your heart because I think most people are good people. And when they do open their heart, they realize, I just don't want to be a part of this. It's not appetizing. There's too much cruelty on that plate. And uh, just to quote one of my good friends, as we wrap up, I would say, uh, peace begins on your plate you know I, I think a lot of people aren't making the change because they think well who am I I'm one person well that's the same thing about voting you know if, if large groups of people think who am I then the other side wins the election it's the same thing with food it's like you're
2: ew. literally voting with your dollars and with your consumer choices
1: yeah every person who who makes this shift saves hundreds of animals a year and by buying these alternative products pushes these big, industries toward a new direction. And they're seeing the handwriting on the wall. The big animal agriculture industries are buying up all the vegan product and just all the vegan products because a lot of them, because they see, they see. All right. It's time to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all the people who shared. Um, Absolutely amazing. Uh, Thank you, Mark DeVries. You are my hero. I have to say it. Uh, Talk soon. Bye. (laughs)